DEA took all your money, your lab. You got nothing. Square one. But you know the business. And I know the chemistry. I'm thinking maybe you and I could partner up. You, uh, you want to cook crystal meth? You. You and, uh, and me. That's right. Wow. Either that, or I turn you in. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 147, Breaking Bad, season one, episode one, pilot. So if things are sounding a little bit clearer, should we speak to the uh, upgrades that the show has made? Yeah, people will probably be like, it sounds like shit. I can't believe this is supposed to be better. How are the levels? Yeah, they're good. Yeah, we're trying out some new equipment. The old stuff served us well. It just seems like it was time. Causing a lot of issues in post-production. Yeah. We're hoping this saves you some time. Hopefully. So you have more time to invest in more important things like Mama's house or whatever. (laughs) Mama's house. (laughs) Mama's family. Mama's family. Yeah. Mama's house. Yeah, the Martin Lawrence oh, movie. Yeah, Big Mama's House, <laughs> which I'm sure you do probably own. Here we are, post One Trashy Summer. We gave you our best of the decade, a two-part give us a second. Now we're back into the regular episodes. Kind of a little cool down after that really exciting, salacious run of episodes in July. Yeah. I do remember when we did two television-themed episodes pretty close together. I think it was Glow Season 2 and Game oh, of yeah, Thrones, and I said... Never again. We won't be doing TV until July, and yeah. we stuck to that. That's and right. Here we are. Yep. Right away in July, Breaking Bad, one of the major television series of the golden age that we haven't tackled yet. Oh, absolutely. But before we jump in, let's remind everyone to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever. You can. Yeah, I, we're I think that's a whole. We're the only places we're available. That and Podbean. True. Which people are just like <laughs> rushing to get to. Yeah. But I'm loving the buzz around the show right now. I feel like people are very in on it. Hopefully. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's some interest. <laughs> 
Which is better than no interest. Well, that's true. Yeah. Which is what we've dealt with for most of the run. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to point out that, yes, this is episode number 147, which is pretty unbelievable, and that means we're only a couple away from 150. Wow. We used sure. to always build up yeah, we've given up the on milestones yeah. like way in advance. Enough people, I think, got in my head about that. Don't talk about how unbelievable it is that you've done this many episodes. And <laughs> me, me saying that. <laughs> and, and don't address like how long the episode is. <laughs> well, now that you're not editing, it's none of your business how long it is. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to point it out now. We maybe we won't mention it in 148 and 149. Who knows? But. Yes, we are planning a cool episode for 150, a big one that yeah. And for anyone we've been who, dying to get to at and some and point. I would say for anyone who's been concerned about the show ending or anything, obviously, like who's, who has that concern? I think there's people out there. You know, they never know. With people like us who are so like unstable, we've been doing this since November of 2015 when we started recording. Granted, saying, we didn't post them for a while, but we just invested in a whole new array of equipment that's right although that's usually the time whenever i have like a meltdown <laughs> yeah, i don't need this <laughs> once the big moment happens then it's like fuck it <laughs> <laughs> well i have plans on a lot more episodes that's right yeah i'm always doing recognizance planning things out i was watching a movie today that i think we'll be doing at some point next month wow getting ready thinking about it oh okay how to approach it I was Stuff thinking like that. it was you were watching a movie today that wasn't on the list that you were like I got to get this into the fold. No, 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 it's it was on the list. Okay, for next. Month. I always love like a su- a surprise entry though. Who doesn't? That's true. <laughs> My life has been like such a whirlwind that sometimes I get like the notification on on like a Sunday new episode and I see it and I'm like, what is it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Breaking Bad. Why do the pilot? Well. It's the first episode. It's the first episode, and so we don't have to <laughs> try to get any context going, which, which makes it good. hard. Yeah, that is tough for shows because then you start going like, wait, how did we get to here? Or why is this like symbolic moment important because right. they started building this two seasons ago? Yes, and so if we were to ever do another episode of Breaking Bad, we could kind of jump from this point on rather than picking random moments in time. True. Plus, this is a strong episode. It accomplishes the setup very nicely it gets everything primed and ready to go and frankly neither of us has really felt the need to revisit True. breaking bad since it yeah, ended yeah. in 2013 I think, you know there's certainly going to be some glowing reviews of breaking bad in this episode throughout the show there's certainly going to be some down to not necessarily about this episode but just sort of bleh about how we feel about the series overall yeah i mean i think i understand why people love it and I, oh. and why it got great reviews and it was a lot of fun I was to watch like initially super in for the ride for sure yeah but to me all these years later now it definitely feels more surface level than some of the other big shows of the sure. era a hundred percent plot driven some really cool sequences throughout the whole series but it's kind of like one of those things that you don't feel the need to really kind of go back and go through it again. And I'm sure maybe there are people out there that, I mean, obviously this show has. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. And that's continued on to Better Call Saul, which I only ever watched like half of the first season Same, yeah, I watched the first season, that's it. But 
the first episode, which is called Pilot, but also called Breaking Bad on the DVD and Blu-ray releases. I'm referring to it as Pilot because that's what is on IMDb and Wikipedia. So I think that's right then. But on the DVD and Blu-ray, it refers to it as Breaking Bad, so it's almost like a self-titled episode. (laughs) It aired on January 20th, 2008. Which is unbelievable. Wow, it was that, that long shocking. ago. Yeah, That's 11 plus years. Yeah, I remember watching the first season before I moved to Pittsburgh, which was in 2009. So. Okay, so that was a question I wanted to get to. So you were watching this from not, the get-go. Not week to week, though. I watched first the first season after it aired. Like, they did a marathon. They did this for both Breaking Bad and Mad Men. AMC was, like, really good about pushing these shows from the get-go, like, Pretty much like right after they ended, they were like doing like full marathons of the first seasons for both of these shows. And that's how I saw the first season of both of them. Yeah. Well, I think I bought the season one of Mad Men and watched it before season two started. But Breaking Bad, I don't believe I started watching week to week until Um, season three or four. Breaking Bad, I have a weird history with because I did get into it, watched all of season one, sort of fell off for a couple years, did not watch it week to week, and then... I think got caught up at a certain point, and then probably by like season four, I was watching it week to week. Yeah, it's hard to remember exactly. I was probably like season three or four that I started watching it regularly. It is crazy though. Just while we talk about that for a second, to go back to like AMC just hitting like two home runs, with like yeah. giant shows, and we we kind of know like where they stand now with television, but. Really kind well, of a cool time to have from, them come out of nowhere and have like two really awesome shows. From their perspective, they followed up the two home runs with a grand slam Absolutely, with The because, Walking Dead, yeah. which was bigger. Right. Walking Dead was obviously like a enormous show, but I like for two like culturally significant shows in yeah. Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Yeah, it really established them as a contender and now they don't really feel that way. True. Because it's been so long but since they've had something. But it was kind of a cool moment in time to have them come out of nowhere with shows like this that you felt like these were two HBO shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this episode, the pilot, written and directed by series creator, showrunner Vince Gilligan, mentioned... Is he up to now? I think he's working on Better Call Saul, and I think he... But it was created by one of the other writers from Breaking Bad. I don't sure know. Like they announced around. that there's going to be a, a movie... Oh, is that true? Aaron Paul. Oh, wow. And I, I think Vince Gilligan's involved okay. with that. I don't really know what else he's doing. Well, he has like a cool background, and I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit, and I'm sure you probably have some notes on this, but obviously he was like a writer on The X-Files. His experience with Brian Cranston led to him wanting to use him in the lead. But right. I, he has kind of a cool story for being like a writer. He submitted a, a script to The X-Files as just like a fan, and they like hired him to be a regular writer. Mm-hmm. And I... I want to say those three kind of nerdy characters from the X-Files. Yes. Didn't they do like a spin-off show with those guys? Like he those were I think he created those characters. Maybe. They, I mean they were on it pretty early. Well, he I think he came on in the second season. I think that's oh, what he, okay. I think that's what he wrote a spec script for was a, an episode of the second season. Yeah, they were what the, the Was it the Lone Gunman or is that something else? Yeah. I think so. That might be right. But I, I don't get know. them confused with the Lone Rangers from Airheads. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the Lone Gunman. <laughs> but I, I want to say like they had a spin off show for yeah. like, a season on Fox that failed. It probably didn't but last that might have been his. It, that might have been a Vince Gilligan creation. There's been various points in my life where I've done some Vince Gilligan deep dives to just to see like what his career was overall. 
But anybody that comes from an X-Files background, I'm in on. Yeah, Vince Gilligan wrote for the X-Files. After that ended, he had this idea of a story of a protagonist becoming the antagonist. He used the example of Mr. Chips becoming Scarface, a mild-mannered regular guy becoming this drug kingpin. Took him a while to develop it, was trying to get it off the ground, and then in the process of doing so, found out about a show called Weeds, which aired on Showtime for a long time. Okay, yeah. Kind of a similar vibe. When he found out about it, he was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to do it. And it was the other show producers that convinced him it would be different enough. And the idea is similar, but yeah, the vibe and tone and execution of those two shows are completely different. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's... (laughs) Weeds Weeds is is a comedy. Right. Pretty much exclusively a comedy, yeah. And as you mentioned, he met Cranston on an episode of The X-Files that he wrote, season six, episode two, Drive. Yeah, I almost wanted to watch that episode in preparation to talk about this. I've seen it, but me I don't... Me too, yeah, but not recently. Yeah. He wanted a character that would be simultaneously <laughs> loathsome and sympathetic. Could do, like, yeah, kind of two-sided. Because type. I believe his character is, like, anti-Semitic yeah. in that episode, but, but he's also got he's that like thing in his brain that's going to explode. Oh, right, right, yeah. <laughs> And he, like, kidnaps Mulder. Yeah, I, he's I driving with Mulder in the backseat. I can remember reading about this a few years ago. I don't know, probably, like, five years ago at this point, And going back and watching that episode and thinking to myself, if I was Vince Gilligan, I don't know if I would have seen this. I don't know if I would have been like, oh, this is the guy. It's a genius-level casting, though, because... Oh, it works perfect. AMC wanted to cast John Cusack or Matthew Broderick. They offered it to both of them. They both turned it down. And I don't think the show works with either of those people. I agree with that. Because an established, very recognizable person that comes with a certain amount of baggage from their past roles is not going to convey the same idea that Cranston can convey, which is a normal, regular schlub. Yes, people would know him from Malcolm in the Middle. I certainly remembered him from that. And I remembered him from Seinfeld as the dentist, Dr. Watley. Right, yeah which is where I first knew Cranston from, but those aren't indelible characters like fucking the dude from Say Anything or the dude from Ferris Bueller. You know what I mean? Like You're not invested in who Brian Cranston is beyond whatever character he's playing, whereas Matthew Broderick and John Cusack are people that we've known for like 30-plus years. You're not going to ever see past that. And I always feel like Cranston, what was great about him on this show was like, he was so good at doing the desperation and panic and like being able to like pull shit out of his ass being in these moments, which you see in this first episode and it carries throughout the show. He was always so good at being like this kind of loser panicked guy. And then in a moment of desperation, being able to completely like come up with this idea to like get out of it. He was always so good at that. And it's really hard to picture like Matthew Broderick, like pulling that off. Yeah. And that's, Obviously, one of the major strengths of the show is the acting. The yeah, I mean, performances I think from Cranston won like Cranston, three Emmys or something for this show. Yeah, and Aaron Paul, the two at the center, really keep this thing afloat because I think you know the show is very tightly wound, and the cliffhangers are all very good. Oh, and sure, they keep you invested, and it's like we said, it's a hundred percent dedication to the plot. Speaking of dedication to the plot, it's like they were always really good at kind of like writing the characters into these crazy moments that it's just like, 
how are they going to get out of this? Yeah. And they always figured out a way to do it. But whenever it gets like so crazy and they're doing something that seems borderline impossible. For sure. The strength of these performances always keeps it afloat and keeps you invested. It's interesting, though, and I, I, this will probably be the hottest take of the episode, okay. which is the four golden age television shows, like the big television shows like post-2000. Granted, Sopranos started in 99, but whatever. Were Sopranos, The Wire, Mad Men, Breaking Bad. Yes. Everyone has established this. These are like the Mount Rushmore of TV. I kind of think... Game of Thrones replaced Breaking Bad for me. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with that. And I know that everyone's super down on the end of Game of Thrones, and everyone loved the end of Breaking Bad. But I think this was already decided pre-season seven and eight of oh, Game I of Thrones. I think this, by the end of season six, Game of Thrones had already surpassed it I and mean, deserved its place in the top four. Uh, yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones for me is just always going to stand apart from anything else because it's just this huge, crazy, epic thing. So many characters, beyond, so many things interacting and, yeah, and you know, all this different stuff. Epic beyond just the actual story. I understand that it's like this like fantasy, Lord of the Rings type like epic, but I just mean what they were doing with it like all this crazy on location filming like this sprawling universe with all these different characters and the production level that was going into it it's just it's hard to even compare anything else to that breaking bad ended in a way that made sense to everyone breaking bad definitely i feel like of all the shows had the smoothest ending well that's because which was going to be my point it was inevitable from season one, episode, episode one, one, where this was headed. It never changed direction. It never surprised you. I kind of think that it shows that most people don't want to be surprised. Well, that's true, yeah. Most because people hated the last episode of Sopranos. Most people that watched The Wire did not like the last season of The Wire. Most people that watched Game of Thrones did not like the end of Game of Thrones. I mean, this is... Sopranos? Yeah, I said Sopranos was the first oh, one. Yeah. Seinfeld is another. One. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just people generally get upset about some weird ending or a curve or anything artistic. Not enough people watch so, Mad Men to matter. Yeah, with Breaking Bad, like the but Breaking end, Bad, it delivered exactly what it always was going to deliver. Right. So there wasn't really like a big outrage over the end of Breaking Bad. No, there was none. People right. loved it. Did people love it, or were they just kind of like, "Yeah, it was good"? I remember a lot of best finale ever oh really wow i did not love the end but i thought it was fine yeah i was ambivalent yeah right exactly i was like yeah "Yeah, this is kind of what i would have guessed from way back maybe not (laughs) episode one but (laughs) i would have been like yeah i mean this is pretty much what i would expect right right yeah maybe they could have made pinkman die too or maybe not or maybe they could have you know switched this or that well i think like the big shocks happened earlier you know, with, like, the stuff with, like, Hank and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that like, was kind of a surprise. Yeah, I thought it was fine, but I thought, yeah, they kind of just all, like, tied it up. But I think that's one of the reasons why it doesn't live on the way these other things do is because there was, like, really no controversy or reaction to it other than just, like, yeah, I really love this. Well, that and the fact that it's it's just about the plot. And once you know the plot, you know the story. And the, there isn't as much to glean from it whereas like the sopranos was always interested in like big ideas and existential ideas all these 
different character archetypes oh, and all these different things. Same with Mad Men was oh, even deeper. Yeah. There's a lot more going on beneath the surface. Sopranos like would literally dedicate entire episodes to being like a dream. Right. And The Wire maybe was straightforward, but there was the so much was, going on. The so Wire many different was, characters yeah, right. it and was stories. More Game of Thrones esque where it was just Right. Like, and Breaking Bad was very limited to a couple of characters and was pretty much a straight line from point A to point B and sure. point B is gonna be this terrible person whereas point a is a fairly normal guy right but having said that and having you know set all that up i mean the show itself while it ran was super entertaining and i love to watch it it was a big sunday night especially during the last couple seasons and there's certainly a lot of things that like worked out in favor of the show not just the acting but i'm sure we'll get to it a little bit as we go on do you have notes about the location yeah well i just said that was a favorable financial condition right. to filming in Albuquerque, so they switched it from Riverside, California, to New Mexico. I think it worked out awesome that it's like randomly like in a city in New Mexico, like Albuquerque, New Mexico, because these characters like Walt, but beyond that, like even like Gus, Mike, Saul, they don't live in like a suburb of like Los Angeles. It's like these are. It's more like anywhere USA. I mean, can... yeah, I, I don't know. I think you could have got away with that though. Riverside uh, is pretty far. Okay. I think I, I don't know. I, I think you could have bought that. I always felt like more of an idea of anywhere USA rather than like California. Like yeah. they seem like more normal people to me. Yeah, than I mean, like I get what you're saying. I do think crime that's, organizations. I that's, do think that's a positive, but I don't know if that necessarily would have impacted its popularity or anything oh sure for me i liked it more because of that but (laughs) yeah i don't think that any more people would have watched it or not watched it because of that but i personally enjoyed the show more because of that as you mentioned you were able to binge the first season and all that stuff i would say the bingeability of the show is very high because of the cliffhangers the the big dramatic endings how are they going to get out of this etc etc and gilligan himself credits netflix for keeping the show on the air while it tried to oh, establish true, yeah. a viewership in the first couple seasons when it was struggling a little bit. I don't think it really initially popped very big ratings considering it was costing like $3 million an episode, which is pretty high in 2008 for right. regular cable. This is an HBO. $3 million an ep is a lot, and I don't know if the ratings were justifying it, and the fact that it got super popular via Netflix helped. And it's probably the the quintessential netflix era show that's true yeah whereas like sopranos is the quintessential dvd era show Uh, that was one where even if you didn't have hbo a lot of people had those dvds and it was just something that people watched on dvd it was one of the shows that was really like a pioneer in getting seasons to be released on home video absolutely but fast forward almost a decade and you get the streaming services and i think breaking bad is right there as one of the big ones now people seem to want to binge the same comedies over and over like friends or the office or whatever i guess it it is such a weird thing and maybe it speaks to my overall feelings on the show is like i did binge season one in a marathon and liked it and enjoyed it and was in but then i also took years off and didn't follow it along regularly and got like back into it you know yeah, I mean, that happens. So I guess that kind of is... I, I guess I didn't feel like I needed to see the season two premiere. Like, you know what I mean? 
But the other thing I do like about the Albuquerque uh, location is all of the kind of like Red Rocks type look to the background. And it kind of fits with the obviously there's something going on with Vince Gilligan and like the color scheme. I always feel like colors were like a big part of this show, including like in this episode with like the green shirt. And there's like the shot with like the yellow car coming into the frame. Like they definitely stick out in amongst that like red background. Yeah. And I don't think that New Mexico was necessarily a place that most people had seen a lot of. Well, that's true. In television and movies. So it did have a certain exotic appeal to it. Right. So Cranston, in addition to being a phenomenal actor, I mean, he was also very invested in the character. He contributed to the formation and development of Walter White throughout all of the seasons. But if we're going to focus on this pilot episode, just the underwear choice. And the Perfect. pathetic mustache right. were his ideas. And there's a few more, and we'll get to one as we go through it, but it was this constant development of this character. And I, I do feel like the major takeaway from this pilot is that you understand this guy. Oh, sure. You know Maybe all so too well, well for me. who yeah. this guy is. Aaron Paul plays Jesse Pinkman. Pinkman was originally going to be killed off at the end of season one That's right. in a botched hey, drug deal. One of those things that always gets kind of brought up like the same way as like Lost, yeah, where Matthew Fox was supposed to die in the first episode or something. However, Gilligan was so impressed by Paul's performance that by the second episode, he knew it would be a mistake to kill Jesse. And it probably would have been because the dynamic between right. Walt and Jesse is a huge going. part of the oh, show. Yeah. If it would have been Walt by himself during a lot of it, it would have, A, felt less believable, and it B, felt less fun. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. It would have been almost too grim. It goes down lines where there's serious stretches of times where it feels like Jesse Pinkman is the character that you should be more invested in than Walt. Yeah, I want to get to that, too, later, but that's a big thing that I, I remember from the show was hating pinkman early on oh sure and then eventually him becoming like the favorite character because right. of just different things that happen so the episode begins in medius res which i, I know we, we talked, talked about, about it recently because as i was like watching the opening scene i was thinking to myself i don't know what episode it was but you referenced how they would do this on ron and fez yeah and I remember thinking to myself, like, wow. That's the so only weird. difference is with Ron and Fez, it, you would never know what right. they were talking about. Yeah. It would never come back. Exactly. Whereas Breaking Bad did this all the time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And they would, it would be like a teaser of, like, how they got to. And, and by the way, did execute this great throughout the whole series. And, like, getting to the point where, like, the season premiere would be this. And you're building, like, to it over the course of, like, yeah. several episodes. Yeah, this would definitely be a style that they would perfect over time. And you'd always be like, how the fuck are we going to get to this? And often with an object or objects falling out of the air. And for this pilot episode, it's khaki pants. But this is certainly like in medias res with a bang because we have an RV racing through the desert. Walter White, who, you know, at this point we haven't even been introduced to yet. He's in tidy white. He's in a gas mask driving. He's losing control. A crash. Yeah, there's like what appears to be dead people in the back of the RV. Bodies just sloshing right. around, approaching sirens. Shit has really hit the fan. We don't know what's happening. If this is your first introduction to the show, which it probably would be, it's throwing you right into it. After the crash, he gets out. He gives this camcorder confession type thing. Yeah, to his family. <laughs> 
where it's almost like, oh, God, what's happening? And he essentially just walks out into this dirt road and seems to be preparing gun. for suicide by cop. Yeah. And then it's like three weeks earlier. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> so we are given a portrayal of just an impotent existence. Yeah. All too familiar for the host <laughs> of this show. Walter White, played by Brian Cranston. He works two jobs. One is a high school chemistry teacher and another in the evenings at a car wash. It's hard to tell which of the two is more demeaning. Yeah. <laughs> They're both Certainly pretty bad. Striking memories for when you worked two jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although I don't think either of them were as embarrassing as Walter's experience as a high school teacher with like yeah, that dude. I would say mostly not as embarrassing. <laughs> His family consists of his wife. Skyler, played by Anna Gunn. I just wanted to point out that Skyler is 12 years younger than Walter. Wow. Kind of a big body woman, though, you know? How that came together. A what? big body woman. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. I don't think that's offensive. His son, Walter Jr., played by R.J. Mitt or Mitty. He has cerebral palsy. I do think that they wanted to up the helplessness factor. Right. Of Walter, his son has this Well, they're trying to make him issue. as sympathetic of a character as possible, right? Yes. He has a son who has cerebral palsy. There is a hint at past glory with that little notification that he contributed to people True. that won the Nobel Prize in 1985. But everything else now is this humiliation. His students don't seem to care. He's no. working at a public school. It's like, who gives a shit? He's supposed to just be the cashier at this car wash, but he's Constantly. having to go out there and actually wash the <laughs> cars, to get too. in the weeds. And, of course, the, the dude that was a dick to him brings in, like, his nice car that right. Walter White could never afford, and he has to, like, clean it. It's so oh, humiliating. That is embarrassing. Bubbling under the surface is this infuriation at the inadequacy of the American dream. Just what went wrong? He has a job that should be good. But we live in a country where teachers really don't get paid that much. And, you know, unfortunately, his son has this condition. His marriage seems to be in the doldrums. Just well, kind of I know. There's monotonous. like the part later on where Skylar's giving him shit about using the MasterCard. Right. Know, it's just like, well, we don't use that card. You yeah, know? I mean, it's they seem like, to have money problems. And it's just like the promise of the American dream not living up to it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it should have I, I been better exactly than this. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I know it all too well. Especially once we understand, as the episodes go by, how smart yeah. he is. And Instead how... of buying these new mics, I was going to give you money to buy a Winnebago. <laughs> so, the story begins with Walt's 50th birthday. He comes home late to a surprise party. There's an inevitable comparison to his brother-in-law. DEA agent Hank, played by Dean Norris. Just uh, gregarious, but so obnoxious. But he's like, you know, obviously he has this big manly right. job. And he's like this big life of the party, center of attention. I do love the Hank dichotomy of like what's going on with him because he he's this cop. And yeah, like it is like this big like manly character or whatever. But I love like the things that they like him having this bizarre mineral collection. <laughs> Well, I think that doesn't spring up till there's, like, marital problems. True. Right? I know, but, I mean, he's like a doofus, you know? 
Yeah, he's a doofus, and I think for this first episode, you're kind of unsure of how to process this character. Like, is he a dick? Is he not a dick? I ultimately think Hank is, like, a pretty decent guy. Oh, I think so. He doesn't always understand, probably, some of the shit he's that he does. dense. Because it was Cranston's idea to have Hank take Walter's glass from him okay, to make yeah. that toast. Right. So then he's making a toast for Walter's birthday, but Walter now doesn't even have a drink. <laughs> because it's all about yeah. him being the center of attention and giving the toast. Right. The person he's giving the toast to doesn't matter. Yeah. Because he wants is... to make a joke, probably at Walt's expense. Oh, no. You know. It is a nice Those touch, things. Though. While they're at this party, they put on the TV to see this meth lab seizure that Hank was a part of. And part of the raid was all this money. And obviously, this is planning an idea in Walt's head. Although, <laughs> at like this a point, profitable business. we don't really know why. Right. But clearly, he's seeing this. It's registering. It's an insane amount of money. And Hank throws out the offer. Like, hey, anytime you want to come out on a ride along, just give me the word but it's like how often are they like about to do a meth raid <laughs> every day yeah i guess so <laughs> welcome to albuquerque absolutely <laughs> i did have a uber driver who lived in albuquerque recently and i was like you know the only thing i know about it is breaking bad and he was like yeah crime is like really bad there <laughs> <laughs> i think he says i'm like you know it's gotten bad it's a shame Walt's birthday concludes with a real sad handy attempt from Skylar when she's really paying attention to, like, eBay. Oh, boy. Like, shit that she's selling on eBay. Yeah, I mean, it is just like, come on. The next day at the car wash, Walt once again seemingly has to go out and actually wash the cars. They just have this bizarre moment where he seems to be, like, looking at this hot chick in the distance and then just passes out. Now, interestingly enough... Yeah, all very relatable. But when I was looking at the IMDb trivia for this episode, they specifically describe this girl because she's wearing like a green dress, and they describe this scene, and they're like, the actress playing this girl was 70. Wow. And I was just like, wow. Important to point out. Okay. So Walt's rushed to the hospital. It turns out he has inoperable lung cancer, even though he was never a smoker, and at most he has two years left to live. Okay. So this is the setup of the show. I mean, right. I think if you're listening to this, you probably are somewhat familiar with Breaking Bad. The whole premise is guy gets lung cancer, decides to really shake up his life by becoming a meth cook. <laughs> yeah. And then ends up being like this huge drug kingpin. Yeah. And it is a weird way to come into a first episode of a show because you're immediately like putting an end to it. Theoretically, yes. And of course, this coupled with everything else that we've seen about his life, it's like this r- rage at the injustice of it all. Because you're like, well, first life, and now this, too. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this just goes from bad to worse. Hey, it's like nothing it, is working out. He's like, I've lived this sad, pathetic life that just did not work out the way I wanted. And now this on top of it, I have lung cancer and I never smoked. Right. How is this fair? Walt does not tell his family at first. In fact, he won't at any point during this first episode, which I thought was interesting and I didn't really remember oh, that's true, yeah. upon the rewatch. I don't think I did either. It kind of leaves it like you don't know how long. This is like the first instance of him being able to hide something. Yeah, that's exactly what I put in my notes. This is the start of a secret life. Now, granted, he will tell his family, right. but it's almost like laying the groundwork for keeping things oh, yeah. from people. I guess the next day he returns to the car wash job only to storm off, which was a pretty funny scene. I think so. 
<laughs> you get that. He's been pushed over the edge a little bit here. Wipe down this. He's like grabbing his crotch. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain rawness to this episode, which aired without commercials on AMC when it first debuted. Because I don't necessarily know that they knew it was going to be on AMC. I don't think so. So there's at least one fuck in it. Maybe more. There's something else, too. Well, we'll get there. Okay. But also F-A-G-G-O-T in it at one oh, point. Oh, wow, yeah. Which probably would have stayed for AMC in 2008. Right. <laughs> We're talking pre-The Hangover. Although, it's basically like, if you're putting stuff like that in it, it's like, what are you targeting? It's like, you got HBO, Showtime. I mean, if you're filming a pilot like that, yeah, it's like but you're it's, limiting Yeah, but it's also your- kind of just like allowing people to see what the show is and okay. the full potential yeah. and yeah I mean, it. they didn't like go crazy there's oh, not like absolutely. 12 fucks in it or anything it's like it's like wolf of wall street <laughs> i'm not fucking leaving after that scene where he storms off the car wash job i like that moment where it seems to be like in the winter it's a very like wintry vibe looking thing and right. he's in that bathrobe drinking a beer sitting next to the pool yes <laughs> Which is like only half filled and it's got like leaves in it and shit. Uh-huh. It's a very cool look. I think so. That's when he calls Hank and decides to take him up on his offer to go on a ride along. <laughs> Hank's just like, well, it just so happens. <laughs> I got something for you, buddy. Yeah. A lot of nice coincidences for Walter if he has this in mind. Right. Now, obviously, you can only really speculate as to what he's thinking at this point because he doesn't know that he's going to know the person that's gonna run out of this raid so is he just trying to be more exciting and experimental and do something for a change because he found out he only has a couple years left to live what what is he scared of i I do do something or is the idea there like i could do this i could cook meth i think he's already down that path just from the i think the money yeah in the raid that they see on tv gets him thinking Maybe there is an opportunity here. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just that a lot of things have to go right. Absolutely. And then they do, conveniently. Like, oh, I just happen to have a connection. And I think it's just like all these little moments keep building to it. I think it's one of those things that's just like, well, let me see what this is like. Or let me see if I can get like a little view into this. And then the Jesse Pinkman thing ratchets it up, you know? (laughs) So he goes on a ride along with Hank and Hank's partner, Steve Gomez, as they lead a raid on a local meth house. They're looking for this guy named Captain Cook. That's like a street name, obviously. A terrible one at that. And he uses chili powder in his meth. Which oh, boy. I really don't know anything about meth, but chili it seems powder like that would be weird. Does not sound appetizing. I know that. <laughs> chili pee. <laughs> the bust results in an arrest of a guy named Emilio. Emilio! After the initial clear... Hank and Gomi head inside for a closer look, leaving Walt alone in the SUV to wait. This is when Walt looks up to see a former student of his, Jesse Pinkman, played by Aaron Paul, fleeing from a neighbor's window. So this was a big surprise <laughs> on the Netflix version of this episode, which right? is tits. <laughs> <laughs> that like, was unexpected for me. Wow. I believe in the AMC version she's wearing like a red bra that they digitally oh, okay. put on there or right. something like that it's so like this, when showgirls is on TNT, yeah. they just like airbrush these horrible paint looking it's like why tops? even put this right. on so i wanted to look up this actress that played this neighbor lady that jesse's banging because i just was like she seems a lot older than him so that was my oh, first so. 
intention yeah, yeah. was to just get the age that stuck difference. out to me too but this led down a whole unexpected path which i found hilarious <laughs> and a big coincidence so this woman's name who plays this neighbor is linda special which i'm sure is a fake name okay. like s-p-e-c-i-a-l-e like linda special or linda special okay she only has three acting credits oh wow three yeah not a huge career the first was a movie that I watched recently for the first time. <laughs> of course. A movie called Screwballs from 1983, which wow. is basically a low-rent Porky's Jesus, knockoff. A multi-generational career. And she played a character named Purity Bush. Wow. And the plot of the movie centers around trying to see her tits, <laughs> which these horny also, loser dudes. Also kind of like dudes. the plot of me watching this episode of Breaking Bad. <laughs> eventually remove her top while she's singing at the end of the movie that seriously is how the movie ends she would not appear as anything else as an actress until 1989 when she appeared in an episode of degrassi as a hooker <laughs> just credited as hooker okay. you know so she's a lady who plays very ladylike roles and her third appearance in anything was breaking bad in 2008 as sexy neighbor i would love to know how this happened she comes out of the woodwork for these great who does roles. she know that she ends up just being in does she live in albuquerque she's like daniel day lewis you know like she just like <laughs> goes away for a while and then like comes back for these like amazing appearances <laughs> she's the daniel day lewis of breasts yeah. they're just making once a decade right. appearances <laughs> so check out screwballs i think is really the lesson here screwballs stinks <laughs> i mean nobody would like it it's so completely horrible and offensive <laughs> so someone like me would watch right, it so not unlike this podcast yeah i just thought that was so strange that i had just watched that and she only has three credits and one is purity bush i wonder how many other breaking bad podcasts are spending this much time talking about sexy <laughs> neighbor thinking not that many <laughs> only the good ones real quick on this though <laughs> when we the actual scene right when we get to Later on, when Pinkman's talking to Emilio's cousin, this is kind of weird what's going on here, right? The The drug deal is happening at this house, or what is this? Is this like a place where they would sell out of this house? I, oh, it, they would cook there. Right. I don't know who okay, lived there. So like, but he was also banging the neighbor? Yeah. I don't know. It just seems a little well, strange. He just met her. Yeah. She was down For to fuck. an afternoon session, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. She's probably like okay. a horny, bored housewife. She's probably married to somebody yeah, else. Yeah. Okay, like I'm that. good. All right. When Jesse gets to his car, his vanity license plate reveals him and not Emilio to be the captain. It says C-A-P-N-C-O-O-K or something like that. Okay. Cook. It also says save a tree, eat a beaver. Okay. Like on the, I'm sure we can get behind. I don't know what you call that, like the frame of the plate, you know, the, yeah, like yeah. the plastic thing. Right. Walt tracks Jesse down after this and basically blackmails him into an unlikely partnership. He's like, I'll turn you in if you don't help me. <laughs> yeah. This would have to be one of the strangest things ever moments your ever. Former teacher. Yeah. Your former teacher who you haven't thought of or talked to. Well, this is like fucking fast times up. when Mr. Hand shows up at Spicoli's house. <laughs> we get a brief scene of Skylar. And her sister Marie, played by Betsy Brandt, who's married to Hank. Their dynamic is usually pretty funny throughout the show. I think so. There's a very competitive bitchiness yeah. to them. Marie is definitely crazy. <laughs> yeah, I would not have thought that Marie 
would be as young as she is. I mean, I think the actress would have been younger than I am now in this episode. I think well, that's been, like, not that young. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> but I think she probably was like 34 or something. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I kind of thought, oh, Betsy Brandt is going to have like a, a career now. And she was like a bank teller in Magic Mike and nothing else that wow. I can remember ever. So not quite. I think she's in a show called Life in Pieces or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I want to say, years. I thought she was doing a show that started like right after Breaking Bad ended. They probably didn't make it. Well, it she's been in a show since 2015 called okay. Life in Pieces. It's right. I think, still on. I don't know how, if she's like the star of it, though. I don't know. I mean, she might just have a part in it. I'm not thinking she's the star. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Skylar is selling shit on eBay, but she's also uptight about sex which is weird because it seems like that dynamic changes later that like uh, marie is that. more like uptight about everything true but then again her marriage isn't on the rocks at this point right so she's more like oh how's the sex or whatever <laughs> <laughs> how's your sex life yeah walt steals chemistry equipment from the school he works at to use nobody cares obviously yeah. i mean come on it's public school he has a real commitment to purity now granted he hasn't even started cooking yet sure, true. but he's all like we're doing this by the book it's gonna be great he's very confident of his ability no more chili powder right which is a clash with jesse so, who's like chili pea it's a special ingredient <laughs> it's my trademark so my memory of this show too for for years i think was like going back to this first season was walt's inspiration for doing this was more based on the fact that he couldn't afford the medical bills. I had this memory that that was like, like his insurance wasn't going to cover all these costs. So like that was like a, a major factor in him deciding to go down this road. I think it is. Yeah. I think he knows that that's going to happen. Okay. Inevitably. But it's not, gonna be that's a lot not of overtly bills. addressed in the pilot. No, no, no. Part of it is that part of it is wanting to provide for his family once sure. he's gone because the one thing we haven't mentioned is that Skyler is also expecting a second child right, right now. Which is crazy because he's 50. And it's also crazy because she doesn't look pregnant at all. And that sure. gets pointed out. That's whenever Marie's like bitchy. She's like, well, she's showing a little or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that they give the viewer the benefit of the doubt sometimes. And they don't overly explain everything all True. the time. That so, yeah, right. you're like. Okay, logically, why would a lung cancer diagnosis that is terminal push him in this direction? It's like, well, obviously, there's going to be expenses, and they're not in great financial shape now. True. So what's going to happen when he's gone? Like, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I doubt they have right. great you life insurance or anything. Initially, there's this clash with Jesse. There's, like, a personality clash. <laughs> Jesse is very much of the streets, I guess, and he's more of <laughs> the, the drug world. Which is... Why he's invaluable to Walter, because Walter, of course, can cook meth way better than Jesse, but he, I mean, he wouldn't have the first clue of what to do with it once he right, had right. it. Which Although, is, like, it doesn't really seem like Jesse's that great of a partner either. He <laughs> isn't, of course, but it's better that Walter right, was going to yeah. cook in a storage shed. No he didn't know that they had drug dogs that w would check the storage sheds True. and stuff like that. He doesn't know anything. He wouldn't know how to get to a distributor. He's not going to want to stand on the corner himself. Right. You know, I mean, he, he needs other people involved, and that's where Jesse's going to come in. And as I said, I mean, initially, early on in the show's run, I mean, I found Jesse to be pretty unbearable. Yes. But that would change over time. 
especially that part once you start getting like deeper and deeper into it you get everything with jane that comes up fairly quickly from now but the post jane era and then like that time where he had to go to mexico and he's like by he like gets left there yeah i don't know he just has like some great parts and some great lines he really starts to grow on you and you're like this is the guy and walter they do a pretty decent job sometimes of making him so unlikable that you do start to turn on him now granted i do think by the end of the show it was kind of like tony soprano where people were celebrating Walter White and Heisenberg and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know they they weren't necessarily all turning on him like they're supposed to right. but which I think can't. it works for the show it makes it more fun <laughs> that's just how these things are yeah yeah people love to cheer the villains and boo the good guys so Walter wants safety equipment he wants to have an eyewash station it's gonna be like almost like a science lab <laughs> right and you know Jesse throws out some very casual homophobia here oh boy yeah <laughs> which was a little surprising. Maybe not as surprising as the boobs, but okay. The <laughs> okay. question of where to cook, Walter just assumes that they're going to cook at Jesse's house, and he's like, no, 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 we're not doing that. <laughs> I do think that it's funny well, how much thing, yeah. Walter just takes for granted that Jesse's trash. Like, that's well, also yeah. part of it. Right. And there's, so there's an- inevitably going to be a chip on his shoulder about some of this shit. And Jesse's like, we can't do it in a storage unit, so... It turns out that an RV is the best solution. Walt gives him all the money he has, which is not much. And it's like, get this deal done, buy this RV. Now, this is kind of crazy, because does it feel like Jesse is trustworthy to just give this money to? (laughs) No. But I guess if you're willing to buy that Walt's blackmail plan would work to get him to do this, then he has that information over him. Because jesse did make eye contact with walt we should say that when he was fleeing the scene of yeah, the raid true. so he knows walt was there he knows that that's real that it's a real threat the next scene is awkward and horrible <laughs> it's the walt jr new clothes scene oh, which is so embarrassing for everyone <laughs> Be- mostly because of skylar i mean yeah, yeah. she's saying embarrassing things that you're just like oh my god mom <laughs> Do you have room in the crotch? <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're at like this very bizarre store that's like called like Family Value Clothes or oh, something. Boy. I don't know, but like yeah, that there's seems like, like these... a place my mom would have taken me shopping. <laughs> but there's like these dudes there that are making fun of Walter and making fun of his voice and you know his crutches and everything and whatever. Uh, yeah. And my first question was, how old are those dudes? I mean, it just I seems know. insane that these dudes are, like, making fun of this, this kid. Sometimes, like, over-the-top bullying, where it's just, like, so unbelievable. It just seems inconceivable now, especially. Yeah, Which true. is a good thing, I guess. That, well, like, I think so. 11 years later, that seems, like, almost insane that something like this would like happen. I still feel like, in 2008, I'm not buying this. I think if the ki- if those dudes were younger, I okay. would maybe buy it. Those guys seem like adults. Right. It's like really strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Walt goes out the back door, circles around, barges into the store, ends up like taking the guy's leg out and like stepping on his knee and kind of hurting the guy's leg to stand up for his family. Right. He gets Good in the guy's face when he gets up, kind of diffuses the situation by acting crazy. It's definitely a hint at all that rage beneath the surface, the potential for violence. Is this going to come out of him? What's going to bring it out of him? And I do think that it's like indicative of another part of Breaking Bad, which is exploring what 
it takes to be a man. Yeah, sure. What I, makes masculinity? What makes a good man? Definitely. Because I definitely think that the first 40 minutes of this episode are establishing that Walter feels weak, ineffectual. He's got his back against the wall for all these various reasons, and he just feels like a failure. Yeah. But this scene and then the conclusion of this episode and how he reacts to that seem to indicate that he equates certain traits and characteristics with being a real man. And those things are potentially dangerous and violent. Absolutely. For sure. And that's definitely a huge part of it. I will say that much like The Sopranos, the family dynamic is probably my least favorite part of the show. Like the scenes. Yeah, Walt's family is pretty unbearable throughout the entire show. Yeah. I mean, there's no real way to sugarcoat it. I think a lot of the fans hated Skylar. Yeah. I don't necessarily blame Skylar for her reactions to things or anything. And In fact, by the finale of the show, she actually seems fairly cool with it, which is actually very well, strange. absolutely. She's but a like, part of it at a certain point. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I'm not sure... I know that it was a topic of discussion while the show was ongoing that Vince Gilligan and the writers, they didn't really understand why people were reacting like this to Skylar, who they thought was acting normal, and her reactions to things were very normal, and Walter was the insane one. But that, I guess, comes with the territory of television. It's like you're positioning someone as the main character. The audience is going to identify with the main character no matter what you make them do. Yeah. And we saw the same thing with The Sopranos, too, obviously. Oh, right. I mean, obviously, like... And Mad Men, to a lesser extent. I mean, people didn't really watch that in the same numbers, but, yeah, I mean, it was still, like, a shitty guy at the center of it, and people identify with that guy because he's the main character, which is just what people do. Yeah. If you take The Sopranos, for example, it's not like A.J. Soprano ever had very compelling storylines on his own, you know? No, no, A.J.'s the worst. Right. (laughs) I just was thinking, too, while we were talking about these shitty men at the center of these things, that what Game of Thrones did was actually very interesting. And I think if people could get their heads out of their asses and think about it a little bit, the way they present yeah. Daenerys right. and the things that she does... They were like, Daenerys could be our Tony Soprano or Walter White. Yeah, I mean, she's doing different things, and obviously there's a certain amount of good that she's doing, but the good is all to benefit herself and her claim to this throne and all this stuff. But that's really at the center of it is like, she thinks that she deserves this thing. So she becomes this egomaniac, not unlike a Tony Soprano. Yeah. It's just that her form of justice seems more reasonable. And I guess she's more Walter White esque because hers is more of a transformation. Whereas Tony kind of stays static. He's kind of the same guy throughout. Yeah, that's true. But I'm just thinking like the way the game of Thrones did it was they would present it in a way where you would think that what she's doing is heroic because of the music they would play, the way they would frame those scenes. But when you actually go back and you just think about all the things she's doing, she's always killing people without any trials, without really distinguishing innocence from non-innocence or whatever. I don't know. I don't want to go to Game of Thrones Road, but I just think it's an interesting comparison to make to the Walter White, Don Draper, Tony Soprano. Well, and it's kind of like, Who's that girl that we like that did Sharp Objects and uh, Gone Girl? You Gillian know, Flynn. Her tr- kind of making these crazy like female characters who are like villains and stuff. But her whole thing is like, this is a good thing to have these female characters be able to be in stories like this and everything. And it's like, yeah, I, I feel like, why don't we view like a-, a Daenerys as being like a 
Tony Soprano or Walter White. You just don't hear people taking it that way. Right. Well, if she wouldn't be attractive, then people wouldn't have been as on board for following her and thinking she's the hero. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Gotcha. Part of it is that she's really attractive, and part of it is how they present that character. That's true. Now, you could say that like David Chase and Vince Gilligan, they're presenting their people as more just straightforward. You're like, well, here's these people killing people. Here's them doing bad things. And there isn't any makeup polish. There isn't right. anything to like sweeten the deal. Whereas like uh, Daenerys in Game of Thrones, you're like, well, she's freeing the slaves yeah, yeah. and she's There's some good here seemingly doing the right thing and then she's giving people the option right. to be free usually and, you when know. she was like having someone burnt alive it was to there was some like vengeance there or it there was like nuance to it there was definitely moment. nuance right. to it because you have to pay attention to everything that she does and it's like sometimes she was doing the right thing technically but other times she just was plowing forward with her goal which was right. to become this queen or whatever and it was all based on the idea that that was a birthright, which was the very thing that was talked about time and time again about breaking the wheel. It's like, well, I mean, if you're only becoming the leader because of your birthright, then you are the wheel. <laughs> Still, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, whatever. All yeah, right, we're going I, down that I, road. Yeah, let's get back on the rails. So after the Walt Jr. News close scene, we finally get out into the desert to cook. Very early here, iconic briefs moment <laughs> from Walter. <laughs> the Walt White in briefs was such a image that was associated with this show oh, for sure the promotional materials the commercials the magazine ads whatever i mean that was like the image that they used right. a lot and so before i'd ever seen the show that kind of kept me at a distance if i'm gonna be honest i was like yeah. i don't what is this, is this i was like is this Tiny supposed Whitey's to be funny here, basically i thought it was like too goofy yeah yeah i kind of know what you mean and i think once you see it once you see the show and you get the pathetic character that they were right, trying right. to create yeah. to have him change, then you understand why that's an, a moment that they want to show. Yeah. But if you have no familiarity with it, you see this goofy guy with glasses and a mustache just wearing like shoes and tidy whities or whatever right. in the desert. You're like, is this supposed to be funny? Well, yeah, I don't know when what... you see it in the show and you realize how not embarrassed he is by those tidy whities <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, he's just, like, acts like that's normal. Well, that was the thing that they definitely loved about Cranston was his lack of vanity when it came to sure. yep. this character or this works. performance. Yeah, and it really drives it home. He, there's no part of Walter White in this first pilot episode that seems cool at all. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes certain actors, I mean, I wouldn't really say, like, a character actor like Cranston, which is basically what he was, Right. Would it be this way? But a lot of actors, I mean, they don't want to look uncool. Well, I don't I don't want to go down this whole road of like the future of the show. Certainly, I'm sure neither of us want to. But there is one moment in the late run of the show that I just love when they do that flashback to him being younger. And he was like dating the other chick who married their other partner. Right. Or whatever, right. right. And like, yeah. he's like in like a classroom with her and explaining all this shit. And he just has, like, this completely different attitude. Like, he's, like, kind of cocky and everything. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. It does give you, like, this insight into, like, where the end of this episode heads, where it's almost like he feels like he's a player in the game again, and it yeah. brings that back up in him. But just watching this episode, you're like, <laughs> I mean, it just seems so lame. 
Yeah, things just didn't work out. Right. Which, you know. I get it, yeah. Yeah, I can relate to it. Sure. I'm sure I, uh, there was a time where I wasn't so downtrodden. <laughs> Walt's chemistry expertise helps the pair produce the purest shit that Jesse's ever seen. So he runs off to take it to his distributor, a guy named Crazy 8 Molina. Right. <laughs> Crazy name. Pretty cool name. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out that Crazy 8 is the cousin of Emilio, right. Jesse's partner that was busted back at the raid Walt witnessed. So when Jesse shows up at Crazy 8's house, things kind of blow up in his face because it turns out Emilio has made bail already and is there overhearing Jesse's braggadocio and also him being like, oh, I'll beat his ass if he thinks I turned him in. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Both Emilio and Crazy 8 accuse Jesse of informing on Emilio. So that's the dynamic now. Yeah, it is an interesting thing because this gets back to like the thing with the neighbor. So I, you know, happened to be banging the neighbor at the same time that this raid happened. Yeah, I mean, it's suspicious. Okay. It reminds me of the end so. of The Social Network when Rashida Jones is like, well, why weren't you at Sean's party when the cops came? It's a great point. Exactly what I was thinking. You can always <laughs> plant that seed. That's right. But the shit that they cooked is so good that Jesse has a bargaining chip. He can take them into the desert to Walt. However, once they get there, Emilio recognizes Walt from the raid so it's like, oh, oh God boy. damn it. Here we go. Guns are drawn. Immediate trial by fire for Walt. I mean, he's just, what, an hour into the game? Right, and, this and he's is happening to go already. way into the deep end. <laughs> Complete panic. Jesse tries to run, but trips and knocks himself out oh, on a gosh. rock. And when they show him later, like when Emilio kicks him when he's down, it's like he just looks dead. Oh, I know. And it reminds me of a character later in the show's run that you also think is dead by running in tripping and hitting his head yes yes and then it turns out he's not dead either right. which i thought was stupid they yeah. should have just made him I agree dead with that, yeah but whatever <laughs> that's another season and another time right walt bargains for their lives by promising the show crazy Eight and emilio how to cook like he does so they follow him into the rv once in there emilio tosses a cigarette out the window as walt insists on pure conditions while in the process of cooking the meth, Walt surprises Crazy 8 and Emilio by synthesizing deadly phosphine gas. He then manages to flee the RV, holding the door shut behind him, trapping them in with the gas. All pretty crazy. Yeah, and they're yeah. shooting through the what door. What a wild move to pull. And again, this is one of those things where it's like it's a moment where you're taking a big leap, which we talk about often on this show, because you're going from like, okay, I'm willing to produce drugs and try to sell drugs. To now, I've killed two people. Well, it was either him or them. I guess so, yeah. He had to make a decision. Emilio and Crazy 8 pass out in this moment, and their fates are not fully revealed until episode two. Oh, that's true, yeah. One of them does not die. That's right. That That is true. I, I guess, like, I don't know. It seemed like it was deadly gas. One dies, yeah, and the other doesn't. Right. And that leads to a whole other Absolutely. fiasco. Yes, it does. <laughs> However, the cigarette that Emilio tossed out starts a brush fire. So now there's a big fire around the RV. Yeah, yeah. Walt's throwing on a gas mask. He puts a gas mask on Jesse somehow, who I guess is okay, but he's still out of it. He seems dead also. Driving yeah. away from the fire. The action in the episode now cuts ahead to account for what we saw at the beginning, right, right. the in medias res at the beginning of the episode. It picks up with Walt pointing the gun in the direction of the approaching sirens. 
So I guess he's planning on like a shootout with the cops, like a you know suicide by cop. Yeah. Things have gotten like pretty crazy from when he was working at that car wash. <laughs> but then he thinks better of it. So I guess there's still like good in him because he's like, well, I'm not gonna shoot. Like I could hurt somebody else. Like why True. would I do that? So then he just decides to kill himself. Right. This was a pathetic attempt at going rogue. I'm just gonna end it here. Yeah. Suicide attempt. And then the safety is on the also gun. Also pathetic. You're just like, a lot of things just go right. I mean, he could just be dead right here. Nothing would ever come of any of this. <laughs> True. <laughs> he just made that one batch of really good yeah. meth. <laughs> but again, it's just another one of those moments where it's just like, he has no idea what he's doing. Just as everything is just completely falling apart, and you think, well, how is he going to get out of this? <laughs> Turns out that it's just fire engines coming in that direction, responding right. to the fire. Which, Not thinking that this who is... Who reported this fire? They're in the I middle of the desert. How did they get there That is already? crazy. They also don't think that the RV is suspicious at all. Right. I, I have a lot of questions here. So they see an RV pulled out, like crashed. Even if they don't think it's suspicious, this they just This fucking guy is in his underwear. Yeah, there's a guy in the road in his underwear. RV crashed. The fire is not that far away. There's another car... With no people around, oh right, waiting by that fire, right by the fire. The reason I'm saying this is in episode two, they have to get this guy to like tow the thing out. So it's not like the fire people ever came back to help or yeah. acknowledge no this in any way. Investigation around the the other car right there. <laughs> I mean, I guess there would be, but it never gets connected to them. Yeah, I know. I don't know. The episode ends with Walt getting home returning to his bed with Skyler and now instead of some sad pathetic handy where he's not even getting hard or can't stay hard you know he's getting it in there and going to (laughs) town much to the surprise of Skyler yeah she's like Walt is that you yeah I think at least on how Netflix has it the second episode picks right up with them finishing that okay yeah and it basically just leaps right in it's weird though because on Wikipedia in the entry for this episode, it goes on to talk about the Native American guy who helps them get the RV out. I'm like, well, that's not in this episode. Oh, true. Right. So I don't know. I don't know if it was cut differently at some point. I mean, this was 60 whole minutes and it aired with no commercials oh, yeah. on AMC. So I don't know. I don't think it would have been cut differently. I don't know why that was. I do kind of remember that now, like looking at the plot synopsis when I was just given the Wikipedia the once over. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really get it. Yeah, that is not how it's, it is on Netflix. Yeah, so yeah. I just want to address that in case it's different on like DVDs or something that people have seen. But our episode goes from them in the desert. We don't know how they get that get out of there. Right. Maybe they go back and get that car. How do they get out of the desert? I don't I, even know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to watch that second episode That's closely. It, this was for the next episode we do on Breaking Bad. Yeah. But overall... I have to say, I mean, I thought it was a pretty good pilot. It did not necessarily reignite my interest in like working my way through Breaking Bad yeah, again. I don't know that I'll do that. I mean, I'm not never say never, but I, I yeah, say, I, I think if enough time went by where I completely forgot everything, right. which is going to happen yeah, because yeah. I don't really remember the plots and of things. There's definitely always scenes that I remember from the show and like think are like I great fucked Ted, scenes. right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ift, right. And I don't know. Yeah, there's just there are a bunch of great moments. Certainly, Fat Damon both, shows up later. Uh, big fans of Jane, Jane, from Breaking Bad, uh, uh, Kristen Ritter. Yeah, and you know it's it's interesting because obviously Better Call Saul is a successful show now and everything, and I, I don't really watch it. But 
I did love the Saul Goodman. Yeah, Saul Goodman when he shows up in the show and Mike and everything, it really takes us to a whole other level. It it was highly entertaining. Absolutely. I don't want people to think we're like shitting on it. No, no. Even though this episode has been pretty, we are saying Game of Thrones is better, a show that people despise now. All of a sudden, (laughs) (laughs) I think if you take a step back and you actually like calm down about everything with Game of Thrones, I, I do think it's just a bigger accomplishment to me. But to modern people, to y- people younger than us, like younger millennials and the next generation and everything, their two big shows of their lives oh, were yeah. Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones, and they a lot of them feel betrayed by Game of Thrones. So the comparison is Breaking Bad, and everyone was happy with how Breaking Bad ended. So it's held in this really high standard. And the thing that I do really like about the overall scope of Breaking Bad is it feels like limited storytelling compared to, like, a lot of these other fucking shows. What do you mean? Like limited? Five seasons? All yeah, pretty yeah, tight? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, it would have been crazy, I think, to try to stretch it any farther. I think they stretched it as far as they possibly True. could of right. believability of keeping Absolutely, it going. Yeah. I mean, it was so crazy, was crazy by the end of it. Crazy moment. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just plays into that whole thing of like, there are a lot of smart people in this world and they find out about a life of crime and they think, like, oh man, these drug dealers or these thieves or these car stealers whatever whatever <laughs> these people the yeah. organized crime whatever they make so much money how is this fair i have to be smarter than those people i could get away with it i could be great at this i would yeah. make so much money uh, i've never thought that i would be the worst criminal ever and i do think that it doesn't equal the same most of the time i mean just because like you're really smart in a lot of ways or like book smart or something doesn't mean it's not going to translate to being good at crime necessarily you may know certain ways to not get caught but you probably will fuck up a bunch of other things that you weren't thinking of because you're not programmed for that but this is an interesting thing because it is like a learning process for walter white and he has jesse to guide him even though (laughs) jesse's kind of an idiot himself but he does know certain things that walt doesn't know and that dynamic keeps it fresh the whole time and I do remember that moment at the end of the one season when Hank figures it out and you're like, we're, we oh, know yeah. that the next season is going to kick off with him knowing. Right. And you're like, how are they going to do this? Yeah. You know, it's just, there was like a, a lot of intensity Absolutely, built up into those yeah. episodes and they yeah, were like very when, fun to watch. And when he was like telling Jesse that he had to go kill Gail Bedecker or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. There, there were definitely like some great episodes of Breaking Bad for sure. All right. Well, if you haven't watched it, I mean, it's still available on Netflix, so hopefully it will be for a while. <laughs> Give it a shot. It doesn't seem like they're losing their AMC shows yet. Thanks for listening. Follow the show on Twitter, at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever. Give us a rating and review, and we will see you next time. Summertime, and the living's easy. Rallies on the microphone with Ross MG All the people in the dance will agree that we're well qualified to represent the LBC Me, me and Louie, we gonna run to the party and dance to the rhythm, it gets harder
affect our lives yeah. and I think maybe we should have like an intervention or something. I want an intervention might be a good idea. I mean if he starts banging Aunt Donna, we're gonna have the garbage pail cousin in the mix. No! No! Yeah. Whoa, who is the garbage pail cousin? Gail the snail is the garbage pail cousin. Oh Charlie, she is the worst. We'd have these family parties and she'd just glob on to me and Dennis. Oh she we couldn't get rid of her. The only her. way to get rid of her was to torture her and that's what we did. Yeah we'd throw her in the dryer. We'd throw salt on her. Yeah we'd throw salt on her because she was the snail. Mm -hmm, get, get it? it. You throw salt on a snail and it's supposed to shrivel up. up. Well, that sounds a little messed up, though, huh? Well, you don't think we're proud of that, do you, Charlie? No. But you don't understand. That's the only way you could handle her. Yeah, she made us do those things, and quite frankly, I resent her for it. I mean, what, what kind of a person salts another it's human being? Terrible. There's no joy in salting someone. Everyone loses. Yeah. Uh oh, that sounds like a... What's up, suckers? Hey, hey Gail. Gail. You look different. I'm more confident. I've grown into my body. You're showing a lot of skin, huh? Jealous? I'm a woman now. I'm not a virgin anymore. Cool, thank okay. you. Hey guys, you wanna come to my car and take a puff? I got some medical marijuana. We're at your dad's funeral, Gail. Whatevs, I'm over it. Plus, if we all showed up super high at the reception, everyone would be like, what? 